0: Hey, Springs, everybody else watching online. I am so excited to be back with you guys. If you have joined us last week, then here's what you know. We are working our way through the book of 2 Timothy. Before we jump into the passage, I want to share with you guys a story. Now, this story, I've, I've, unfortunately, I've had this happen to me a few times in my life. This story comes back from a moment where I can remember thinking, man, I am about to get beat up. Now, hopefully, you don't have any of those stories, right? But I definitely can remember thinking, I'm about to get my tail whooped, and this is going to hurt. So, to set the context, I was 16 years old. I'd gotten my second job. I was working for a construction company. There was this girl that I went to school with. Her dad owned the company. He got me the job. I was placed on this crew. It was manual labor, right? I was this young, smaller, preppy kid. These, like, manual labor men who like you go to lunch and people ask him like you working hard or hardly working and their answer was like I'm working hard and I was like, oh sweet God help me to do well at this I can remember one of the guys that I was working with he found out that I was friends with the owner's daughter One afternoon he just starts talking about her. He's being disrespectful. He's being inappropriate and man. I'm getting worked up at this point in my life, I would have said I was a Christian, but I wasn't a Christian. So the path that I'm about to take in the story, I do not advocate or recommend. It was foolish, but that was the one I went. I'm telling him to stop talking about her. I'm asking him to stop talking about her. I'm looking at the foreman and being like, man, you know her. Why are you allowing him to talk about her? And he just keeps going and going and going. And I came to this point where I realized, I got to say something. I have to do something. But if I do something, I know where it's going to end. And where it's going to end is it's going to hurt. Because in my mind, the only thing I could do left was, okay, I'm going to start a fight with him. Again, don't recommend it. Bad idea. Because, again, the guy that I'm specifically talking about, at that point, I was still 5'10", right? Honestly, probably 5'9", three quarters. I like to flex on that. He, sincerely, 6'4", and jacked. Me, 5'10", not jacked. And I can remember thinking to myself, this is going to hurt. But there's this moment I couldn't get him to stop. I needed to say something. I needed to do something. And I just looked at him I said, all right, man. And I walked up. I took two hands straight on his chest and boom, pushed him back. He goes back. He's startled like I'd had the shovel in my hand. I set it down right before because I think, okay, it's about to go down. Like, let's do this. He looks back. He kind of rears up. All of a sudden, our foreman, praise God. God, St. Carl is what I'm gonna call him, he runs in between, separates us out of nowhere, creates division, he's yelling at me, and because there's a guy in the middle, I now feel comfortable enough to yell at him. Again, don't recommend this strategy. But I can just remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to survive, right? He goes home, he's upset, gotta call the boss, everything gets resolved. But guys, I can remember thinking, I gotta say something, I have to do something. But if I say something, if I do something, I'm going to suffer. (laughs) There will be pain, and it's going to hurt. The reason I share that is because that's a story that I was reminded of as I read the passage that we're going to be in today. To kind of frame the context, Paul, this church leader, this church planner, he's writing to a church leader, to a church planner, his disciple, Timothy. Timothy is in the midst of facing persecution, opposition, difficulty, and trial. To where literally, if he goes about and he tells people about Jesus, if he acts on his faith, he runs the risk of being put in prison. He runs the risk of death. And Paul's going to preach to him. He's going to say, hey, Timothy, keep going. Hey, Timothy, you tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, Timothy, say something. Hey, Timothy, do something. But he's going to have this promise where he's going to say to Timothy, Timothy, if I know if you do this, it's going To hurt. Guys, I'm so excited today because we're going to talk about how, as Christians, as we grow in faith, as we grow to understand the gospel, as we grow to share our faith in Jesus Christ, there's this promise as we become, the language the Bible is going to use today is unashamed, not embarrassed, not apologetic, courageous, bold, as we become unashamed in our faith. As that grows, something that's going to grow with it, this truth that you will suffer for. As you become unashamed of the name of Jesus Christ, you will suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And, and you got to remember, too, the context. The persecution that Timothy faced was literally potential loss of life. Paul writes this letter to him from a dungeon cell under Emperor Nero where he's likely going to immediately, and he will in reality, lose his life. He'll take his head. But he's writing to Timothy and he's saying, Be bold. Tell the world. And yes, Timothy, this is going to It makes me think about persecution. What persecution really looks like today, because here's the truth, guys. We here in New Braunfels, Schertz, San Marcos, Canyon Lake, persecution looks very different for us in this context than it does to Timothy then as well as across the globe today. There are places who gather on a Sunday morning in other areas of the globe who they, they don't have the privilege of virtual technology, so they'll walk. They'll physically gather, but as they walk, They'll think through, did people see me? Do they know my name? What will they do to me? Do they know where I live? Where they face loss of life. They face imprisonment. They face their family finding out and then being abandoned by their family and exiled from their village. They face real severe persecution. That obviously is not the same truth for us here in our context. So what does persecution look like? What does it look like to embrace the truth that as we grow and being unashamed It's going to hurt. You probably grew up with the same adage I did. Sticks and stones may break my bones. By the grace of God, we here do not face persecution of sticks and stones. Did Timothy? Yes. Do others in the world representing the same faith of us today? Do they? Yes. But what's really more true of ours? But words will never hurt me. Now, here's what we know. That's not true. Words hurt you. Words hurt me. Words are hurtful. But it's this idea. It is very different. To where I think for us, as we embrace, is we want to grow in faith. Is we want to be the same type of church leader that's used by God to advance his kingdom, to share his gospel. Is we want to do that. We need to know, what will we face? The best language I can use for it is moderate to severe criticism. People will look at you and think you're weird. People will look at you and act like, man, you're overdoing it. And this is true of people who don't believe in jesus and this is going to be true of people who believe in jesus but they don't want to live as unashamed they will try to shame you for their lack of being unashamed and what is paul saying to timothy what is paul saying to us this is going to hurt but it's worth it tell the world about the goodness of Jesus Christ. So where are we going to see this? We're going to be in 2nd Timothy chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 8 through 12, and we're going to see how this is going to hurt. And there's three ways. It's going to hurt because we suffer. The first way, we suffer for the mission, we suffer for the message, and then we suffer as a messenger. To again, remind you of the immediate context as you start turning there and you grab your Bible. The immediate context for this is last week, Paul was writing to Timothy to give him a, a reminder of courageous faith. He says, hey, faith is something you've got to fan it into flame. It's meant to grow. But as faith grows, what happens? Fear shrinks, and fear becomes replaced by power, love, and self-control. He's just called into courageous faith, and it's going to require courageous faith for him, as well as me, as well as you, to embrace this call to be unashamed, even though it is going to hurt. And the part, if you're watching this and you're wrestling with faith, if you don't, if you believe in Jesus or you grew up around it but you got baggage because people were hypocritical or the church hit, hurt you or the church did this or that, here's what I hope you see. Real believers, people who have been transformed by the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, as they embrace that, here's what they know. It will come with being rejected by others. It will come with being criticized by others. And some Christians, it will come losing life for the sake of this news. I hope that you see through this. What message is worth giving their life for? And that's what Paul's calling to Timothy. So grab your Bible. I'm going to read verses 8 through 12, and then we're going to jump back up and we're going to look at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and to which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Guys, as you see throughout the thrust of this, Paul, he's calling to Timothy. Timothy, do not be ashamed of your faith. Tell the world, but as you tell the world what will happen, he promises him, you will suffer. This is going to hurt. Verse 8 sets up the first way. Verse 8, I'm going to reread that. Therefore, so it's connecting from that courageous faith from last week's context. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Guys, the first way that we have to embrace the truth is we grow in faith. This is going to hurt. Is This this promise, suffer for the mission. Suffer for the mission. I, I love how Paul, he starts out, hey, Timothy, Don't be ashamed. He knows what Timothy has a tendency to want to be. Embarrassed, nervous, at that time perhaps played down his his spirituality, his Christian faith, his belief. Why? Timothy could literally lose his life. And Paul's saying, I know you could. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. That's to give witness to. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus Christ has done. He died on a cross for the sins of the world. He rose from the grave. He's coming back again. And the only reason he hasn't come back because he wants people to come to know him because he loves them. That's the testimony. The second thing he doesn't want Timothy to be ashamed of is Paul himself. Paul says, hey, Timothy, don't also nor be ashamed of me, his prisoner. I love that. Paul, he's writing this letter from likely Emperor Nero's dungeon. And right here, he's a prisoner of Rome. But he doesn't say, I'm a Roman prisoner. He says, I'm a prisoner of God. Paul knows Why he was put in prison. Why? Because he was bold. Because he preached the message of Jesus Christ. Because he told the world. Because he was unashamed. And what happened? He was made a prisoner for it. But he's not surprised by that. He goes on, he says, but what does he do to to Timothy? He says, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I love this. But share in suffering. It's literally this invitation. It's like Paul saying, "Hey, hey, Timothy, come and join me in suffering. Come, come participate. Come do it with me. This past week, I went out and uh, hung out with my in-laws. They have this pool in their backyard. It's beautiful. It's the first time the pool was really opened. So what that means, is it's kind of springtime. The water was freezing cold. Now, I wanted to get in the water. I love swimming. I wanted to do it with Lily, my daughter. I wanted to jump in there. So I get in the water, freezing cold, like so cold, like takes your breath away type thing. Absolutely bitter cold. Here's what I did the rest of the day. I tried to get everyone to come and join me. Why? It's always more fun when more people are in the pool with you. I tried to get Taylor, my wife, my in-laws, Taylor's cousins, her family friends. I tried to get all these people to come and swim with me, with Lily, to do it. I couldn't get one person to share with me in the pool, to join me in the cold water. And what is Paul pleading with Timothy and you and me to do? Join me in suffering. Join me in potentially dying on behalf of Jesus Christ let alone a little moderate to severe criticism. And he says, what do we suffer for? We suffer for the gospel. There's one message that's ultimately, that's truly, that's worth suffering for. And it's the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul's going to explain what the gospel is in just a minute. And he tells us, how do we do it? We do this by the power of God. Guys, you come and this is going to hurt. Growing in your faith is what you're meant to do. It's what I'm meant to do. We are meant to become more courageous, more bold, more vocal in telling people, about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. But here's what's true, as you do that, you will suffer for that mission. People will treat you different. That's where I love, there's like this theme of, man, I wanna be the unashamed. I get around Christians and there's this idea of like, man, I want the title of the unashamed, the fellowship of the unashamed, and we wanna call ourselves the unashamed, but far more often, here's what I think we are. We're not the unashamed, we are the inconsistent, if if not absent. I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, this past week i had the privilege was out with some friends went, went to a restaurant we we're sitting there talking began to engage the server started to hear hey man is there anything going on in life we'd be praying for it? you haven't have a faith spirituality and, and he just shares he got some tragic news about a family member he was so honest here's what we got to do we got to pray for the healing and the life of the family member we got to say hey regardless of faith or spirituality do you have support that could help you does, does the family member have support that could help? Is there ways we could help? Do you want to come and connect with us? There was a chance to share the hope, the love of Jesus Christ. That's one example. And then there's others examples where, for, where I'll, like, I'll be walking down my street. Like right now, COVID, a lot of folks go outside. They walk. I'll take my dog. I'm walking down my street, and I see my neighbor, and I get that prompt. Hey, hey, go tell them about Jesus. Go start up a conversation with him. Go go try to navigate that. Take it to the gospel. And I think to myself, nah, I'm not going to do that. Like, as I read this, I thought about, imagine if the Apostle Paul was with me on that walk. Right? Imagine if the Apostle Paul was with me. We're out. We're walking in my neighborhood. I know it takes imagination, right? We're walking in my neighborhood. I got my dog. We're going there. We're walking past. Paul comes up. He sees the neighbor. He knew I'd shared my faith before. He knows that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. He knows I want to be unashamed. He knows I want to be courageous. He knows you want to be that. But we're there. We're, we're walking, and he sees the neighbor come up, and I say, oh, yeah, great. No, good to see you. And I, and I just keep going. I don't try to make that that transition to a spiritual conversation. I imagine walking down the road and Paul being like, hey, hey, I I just noticed you didn't share that time. Right? It seemed like you kind of felt prompted by God. It seemed like you wanted to share that. What happened? And I look at Paul. Well, Paul, you know, it it just didn't quite feel right. And Paul would say, oh, man, I I, I can get that. Right? I imagine. And you think back on the life of Paul. He said, man, were you worried right there? Because this has happened to me before. Like, were you worried right there that your neighbor, right, that they were going to hurt you, that they might beat you, that they might stone you. Like I saw a couple sticks and some rocks over there. Were you worried they were going to get that and then come after you? No, Paul, I wasn't really worried about that. Oh, well, hey, your neighbor, are they a part of like law enforcement? To where if you like started sharing with them, they could go and they could put you in prison. And I know Lily's at home, Taylor's at home, Trips at home. It'd be so hard to be away from your family. Like I know that'd be challenging. Is that kind of why you didn't do it? No, Paul. That's not really why I did it. Well, hey, let me understand. Why not? And I could go and look at him and say, well, man, you know, I just, I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I, I didn't want to be the weird one. I didn't want to make it awkward. And then the next time my neighbor sees me, they think, oh, that, that's the proselytizing neighbor. You know, I'm just going to go more the relational route, try to get to know them over time, and then hope it somehow just magically comes up naturally in conversation. Guys, how do you think the Apostle Paul would respond to me? How do you think the Apostle Paul would respond to so many of us? We're not marked by being the unashamed. We are marked by being the inconsistent. We don't embrace the truth that we suffer for the mission. Here's what I think he would do. I think he'd grab me and say, man, I understand. I understand. Hey, hey, Turn around. He'd bring me back. He'd take me back to that neighbor and say, hey, can I share something with you? And then he'd look at me and say, hey, you know, I want to remind you of this. He'd share with them, hey, here's the truth. There's a God in heaven who loves you, but your sins, they've offended God. He's holy and he's just. And because of that, he demands holiness. You don't make that cut. And Paul would say, neither did I, neither does John. But God in heaven, he doesn't want you to be separated from him. So instead of holding you responsible for your sin, which you deserved, which would have been right, he held his son responsible. He took all the wrath that was owed you, that was owed me, and he put it on Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for your sins, who died and who rose from the grave to give you freedom and victory. And all you have to do is believe in him. This is the message God wants you to know. And then he turned back to me. This is the message God wants to remind you of. Why, guys? Because here's this truth. This, as we go to share, we suffer for the mission. This is going to hurt. It's going to be hard. But there was a moment where God in heaven, we'll talk about it in a minute, where God in heaven realized, okay, the redemption of mankind. I want my people to be with me for eternity. And Jesus Christ knew this is going to hurt. I will be torn from the Father, forsaken. I will bear the penalty for the sins of the world. Though righteous, I will become marked by sin. Now what did he do? Yet for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew it's part of the mission. Guys, we are called to suffer for the mission. And as we grow in an unashamed faith, here's what's true. This is going to hurt. Sometimes I tend to think about, well, if I just say it the right way or if I just do it the right way, that I can totally avoid all the awkwardness, all the difficulty, all the frustration, all the fact that they're going to get upset with me and say things like, how could you or who are you to say that to me? I, t- I tend to think, hey, I could just say it perfectly. Sometimes you can't. You always try to get better. You say it with gentleness and respect. But guys, as we grow in being unashamed, we will grow in a suffering. But it's a privileged suffering. Let's keep looking at why it's even worth it, right? Let's jump back into the passage. I'm going to read verses 9 through 10. And really what it's summarizing here is the gospel. It says, Who saved us, so talking about God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love this, guys, because Paul right here, he's saying, hey, Timothy, I'm calling you to be bold. I'm calling you to be courageous. I am calling you to tell them, and this is going to hurt. But the second thing that he says is, Timothy, you will suffer, but here's what's true. You suffer, excuse me, you suffer for the message. Like right here, what Paul's celebrating is he's celebrating the truth of the gospel. He, he starts it out, but here's what happens. Uh, verse 9 God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. It's this idea saved. He took you from darkness to light. It's salvation. And then from that, he doesn't just leave you there. He calls you. This is this theme of like this divine authority bidding you to participate in a holy calling. You've been given this mission. And then he sets it up with this beautiful reminder in this theology of what it means. Not because of our works. How, how do you be saved? How do you be called to a holy calling? It's not because of what you do. It's because of what you believe. And then it tells us why God's done it. Not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I love this, guys. Right here in the midst of Paul knowing, no, Timothy, I know you're going to suffer. I know it's hard. He's reminding him the truth about why Christians do it. He's reminding him of Timothy. Here's what's true of you, and God wants it to be true of them. He's saying to him, hey, this is according to God's purpose and his grace before the beginning of the ages. It's this idea, hey, back before time was even a thing, God had a plan to redeem and to save his people. That plan has been made manifest. That means people are becoming aware of it through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, and what has he done It's a beautiful message. He's brought to light through the gospel. He has abolished death. Your Bible, it may say, destroyed because of Jesus Christ. Him rising from the grave. The enemy of death has been defeated. And then what does it translate? What does it, excuse me, what does it transfer death for? Life. What is life? Knowing God, this life and the next. Which, what does that become? Immortality. This sense that when this life ends, it's the jumping off of heaven in paradise with God, all because of what? The gospel. Guys, the gospel means good news. If it's good news, we are meant to tell the world. This is the message that we are meant to suffer for. But so many times, I don't think we do that. Like when I think about we're called to be the unashamed, we're called to suffer for the message. I don't think we do that. But instead, and I've got some notes here. I think what we do is we don't suffer for it, but we almost tiptoe around the topic. Right? We kind of walk on eggshells. And here are a few reasons why I think other people try to get us to walk on eggshells, as well as why Christians walk on eggshells in the first place. Right? The first one, and this is what keeps us from being unashamed. It keeps us from wanting to embrace the truth. No, it's hard, but you got to tell them. first reason is this, and I'm sure you've heard this. Hey, hey, thank you for sharing that with me, but there's no way Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. That's so exclusive. How could you be so exclusive? How, if God is so loving, how could he ever do that? How could he say that? How could he do that? And we hear that, we think, well, I don't want to be a part of anything that's exclusive. And we begin to water down or to tiptoe around the message. Guys, we don't change the message. We share it. We preach it. Acts 4.12, it says, There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. Second reason why I think a lot of times we, we kind of shy back or we tiptoe or become ashamed of this message is people come and like, dude, why do you got to be so dogmatic? Like, why do you got to be so serious? Like, why can't you just kind of chill with this and make it a little easier? Like, who are you to say that? That's just your interpretation. You don't really know. No one can really know. People use that and like, well, man, I don't I don't want to sound like I'm the only right person. I don't want to sound like I'm the only thing. We start to tiptoe. We start to walk around. We don't want to upset. We don't want to concern people. Galatians one nine talks about if you ever advocate, if you ever share, or if you ever water down, tiptoe around the gospel, the Apostle Paul talks about what his hope is. He says, as we have said before and now say again, hear this. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be cursed I don't think we water it down guys I think this is a message that's we're suffering for it's not our message we don't tweak it and change it we preach the one that God preached into our souls where he gave life and we tell the world and guess what happens it'll hurt that will be hard oh this is another one hey Jesus Jesus wouldn't want me to ruffle feathers like I don't want to rock the boat And then this is my favorite the way a lot of times and this is particularly used from Christians and Jesus man He was friend of sinners like he hung out with sinners I'm gonna focus more on like relational evangelism getting to know people I don't want to say something that might upset them and then all of a sudden people start thinking they have to embrace the past which is true The baggage of the church and how all we did was just condemn other people when God called us to repentance And I think it's their job to become Jesus's PR manager because no one would ever want the, the truth of the gospel to upset or to offend someone. Here's what I think is right about that. As we go to suffer and share this message, we do as Christians, we've got to be really clear, we should not be what is offensive, how we share. We're called to share with gentleness and respect. We are called to be loving, but we're called to speak the truth. But that truth of the gospel, is it inherently offensive? This idea... You're a sinner. That's offensive. You need a savior. You can't do it on your own. That's offensive. And apart from him, you'll spend eternity in hell. Guys, that's offensive. Here's what Jesus says. If you ever wonder, he wouldn't want me to ruffle feathers. Luke 12, verse 51 through 52, he says this, Jesus, do you think that I've come to give peace on the earth? Someone else would answer, well, yeah, of course. You came to make it harmony, peaceful. He answers, no. I tell you, I didn't come to bring you peace, but rather division. From now on, or excuse me, from now on, in one house, there will be five divided. Three against two, two against three. The the text is going to go on where he's going to talk about father separated from mother, children separated from parents, in-laws from family. He's going to talk about how this gospel, this truth, It divides. It can be inherently offensive. Which is why, guys, as we go to embrace this reminder, we are missionaries. We are church leaders. God has sent us to Shirts, Canyon Lake, New Braunfels, Seguin, San Antonio, Austin, wherever you're from, you are a minister of light. As you preach the gospel, as you point out the difference between light and darkness and the redemptive power of God and how he loves you, just as you are and all you must do is believe in him but from that belief he won't leave you there it'll upset people it will discourage them you'll have friends that look at you weird there'll be other parents that don't want their kids to hang out with your kids there will be people when you go to do business deals your boss is going to ask you to do something unethically and you'll say hey i don't want to it's not that i'm condemning you but it's because of my faith in jesus christ that's not the way i want to live my life and the boss will say how could you you'll miss promotions You'll have family members at Thanksgiving that'll treat you in a negative way. And here's your job suffer for it. That comes with it. Grow in faithfulness. Remind yourself God loves them and He sent you to tell them. He sent me to tell them. Guys, it won't always just be easy. This is going to hurt, but it's totally worth it. Let's jump back in the text. I'm going to grab my Bible. We're going to look at verses 11 through 12. Jump back with me. So this is Paul. He just said, hey, in response to the gospel, that's the context from before, verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Guys, this is going to hurt. And the third reason that we suffer for is we suffer as a messenger. I love how Paul starts it. He says, for I was appointed an apostle, excuse me, a preacher, an apostle and teacher. Here's what he's saying there. I've been appointed a messenger. Now, Now, Paul is talking there about his gifts or perhaps the offices that he held, right? You don't have to be a preacher. You no longer, you can't be an apostle, but just a strong spiritual leader would be what that'd be like today, right? Or even the gift of a teacher, But here's what's true of every believer in Jesus. You are a messenger of God. You are meant to tell the world. And Paul connects the dots. God has made me a messenger. Had he made Timothy a messenger? Yep. Has he made you, believer, a messenger? Yes, and he connects the dots. And you'd think Paul would like try to get away from this. You'd think Paul would like try to tell Timothy, hey, Timothy, I know it's hard. It's gonna get better. God doesn't want you to go through hard things. Like God's for you. He wants to bless you. Like the abundant life is meant to be marked by joy and peace, not marked by fear of losing your life. You think he might go that way. He doesn't. He's gonna literally connect the dots of, hey, God made me a messenger. And that is why I suffer as I do. There's this direct using the language of, correlation, as well as causation, to as we grow in an unashamed, unapologetic, loving, humble, teachable, but bold and courageous proclamation of Jesus Christ, we will suffer. And what does suffering look like here, guys? Criticism. Maybe it can be more. Maybe people can experience more. But generally, I think what you're going to face, it's criticism. Criticism. And Paul's going to double down on why he thinks it's worth it. He goes on, verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. And then he says, but I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not apologetic. I'm not slowing down. I'm moving forward. He says, but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. I love the word know here. It it means in like salvation terms, like I know I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but also means it speaks to the sense of intimacy. Jesus uses the same Greek word in Matthew 6, where there's this moment God talks about, what people do in need when they pray to God. God says that before we even pray, those who believe, he says, I know what you need. It speaks to the sense of intimacy. Why is Paul not ashamed? Because he knows God. He loves him. There's a real connection there. There's a real faith. And not only real faith, but faith that Paul has fought to fan into flame. The second thing that Paul says, this is why I'm not ashamed. He says, I am convinced, that means I'm certain, I am convinced that he is able to guard, that God is powerful enough to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Right there, what Paul is generally saying, he's saying, I know that God has my back. Right, specifically it speaks to no matter the pain, no matter the suffering, Paul knows that he is guaranteed an eternal salvation with God. Yes, the process of death can be excruciating. But what awaits on the other side is life. It's seeing Jesus Christ. It's realizing all of this has been true. It's wanting those moments to be like, man, I wish I could have been more faithful. Now I see him. You're so true. Saying, I'm not going to be ashamed. Guys, we suffer as a messenger. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have The greatest gift that has ever been given and that is faith eternal gift in god by the power of the holy spirit through christ that is a gift that you are meant to give away you are told to give away we as believers are meant to proselytize so many times i I get in circles where people act like proselytizing and evangelizing is a negative thing no it's part of your purpose someone told someone someone told someone someone told someone and that someone told you we are meant to tell what happens as we do it'll hurt i can remember i was in high school i had this friend megan she was always encouraging me like she bought me a bible for graduation she thought i was a christian i thought i was a christian it was confusing but she told me this whole time right i wasn't she told me that uh, growing up her church she went to youth group every summer And they'd go on these trips and every year they chartered the same bus and the same driver and it would drive them to this youth group camp they'd get on the bus youth pastor would go with them and they'd drive to this camp i think it was in her fourth year so she was a senior just about to graduate high school and she came back and she told me what had happened they go they get on the bus and all of a sudden the youth pastor is talking to the driver the driver comes up to the youth pastor and says hey I just want you to know this past year, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. It's transformed my life. I understand now he abolished death and I now have life and immortality. This is the greatest gift I've ever been given. Driver celebrating, Megan's sitting there and she can kind of overhear it. She's in one of those front seats and she's celebrating hearing that and that and then the driver goes to ask at the youth pastor one question. He says, man, can I just ask you one question? guy says, of course. He's probably thinking like, oh, you want to learn something about the Bible or how can I teach you or you want me to help you get connected to a church? And he asked the youth pastor, he asked this messenger of God, how come you never told me? He asked him, hey, I've seen you every three years going to this camp, every three years representing Christianity, Jesus Christ. How come you never told me before? church, Believer, we are messengers. And what happens as we do this? We're messengers, we will suffer for it. it. won't always be like the bus driver who wants to know. Sometimes you'll go and you wanna share your faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ with a family member that's ill. You, you, you don't know if they really believe or if they don't, and you wanna go share with them the, go- the gospel and hope of Jesus Christ, but you know, if you go tell them, they'll respond well, but there's gonna be another family member but as soon as they find out you did that, they're going to look at you and say, how could you? Why would you? Why take advantage of? How dare you jam that down their throat? What did you do? You go and you tell them both. You're going to be a student in this summer, all of a sudden there's going to be other kids who want to go do something and you know, wait, wait, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not condemning you, but that's not a reflection of what I believe. I'm not going to go. And they're going to look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Why do you got to be so weird? Why do you got to be so religious? Why do you got to take it so seriously? This is going to hurt. You're going to want to walk up and share with a stranger. You're going to walk up and share with a server, a neighbor, and you're going to get insecure and it's going to be awkward and they're going to look at you different. And they may even, as I said before, your kids may no longer be able to hang out with their kids. What should you do? Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. So guys, what's the application out of this? Here's what we do. The first thing. If you don't know Jesus Christ, reach out. If you're wrestling with faith, reach out. We want to share with you the gospel. It's the best news that's ever been told. It changed my life. God wants to use it to change yours. The second thing is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are unequipped to share the gospel, to share the good news, humble yourself. Reach out. We will train you. We will help you. Third thing, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are unequipped to share your testimony, what God has done in and through you in your life, how he took you from light to darkness, humble yourself, reach out. We will train you. And then what's the fourth thing? Go and share your faith. Go and share your faith. But as you do it, you got to know this is going to hurt. Does that mean you don't do it with gentleness and respect? Loving, no. But you go because love rejoices with the truth. You're a messenger. I'm a messenger. I'll close with this. As I think about even the, the context of this story, Paul, he's writing this letter to a church leader, Timothy. This church leader is going through opposition and hard times. He literally might lose his life for his faith, go to prison. He's trying to to shepherd his church, to care for people, to still serve, to go and advance the gospel, and if they do it, they could go to jail. Christians are facing major persecution, and Timothy, if you remember, he already was kind of naturally fearful, nervous, timid. He was a younger guy, didn't quite know what to do. I've always wondered what happened to Timothy. I've always wondered, like, did Timothy hear this and all of a sudden become bold, courageous? Did he shrink back? Did he have good days? Did he have bad, just like everyone else? I've always wondered. This past week, I don't know the full part about Timothy's life, but this past week, here's what I found out according to church history. Paul, he likely wrote this letter in 67 AD. In 97 AD, so 30 years of time go by, Paul would have passed away 67, 68 AD. 30 years go by. Church history records a story of Timothy. Timothy was 80 years old at the time. He was a bishop. He was a bishop, faithfully telling people about Jesus Christ. The town he was in, there was a procession. It would have been like a parade for the Roman goddess Diana. There was this parade for this false god. Timothy comes out, this one who was fearful and nervous, didn't quite know how to respond in the midst of the suffering and the opposition. He comes out, and church history records that in the middle of this procession, he went out. And he lovingly, he tried to interrupt it. And how did he interrupt it? He started preaching the gospel. He started proclaiming to this gathered group of people, God loves you. He's made you in his image, but you've turned from him. You've rebelled. You've sinned. And he's holy and he's just. So that sin separates you from him. He doesn't want that separation. I imagine him yelling this to this procession of people worshiping Diana. But he doesn't want that separation So instead of making you pay the penalty, me pay the penalty for my sins, he put all of that on Jesus Christ. You know Jesus, he died, he rose from the grave. His people are believing this. This faith is transforming. This news is advancing everywhere. And I wonder if he told them this. And I wonder if he sat there and he thought, man, Is this going to be one of those amazing moments like Paul's told me where all these people come to know Christ, if the gospel's transform, if the city changes, if these people repent, they come to believe in Jesus. What is God going to do in this moment? I wonder if he had that feeling. What if? Church history says the crowd turned on him, that they beat him, then they dragged him through the streets, and they stoned him to death. You know what he did all the way to the end of his life he embraced the truth God has sent me to tell and this is going to hurt guys we don't have the same procession as you go out and you see worshiping Diana but you see people worshiping careers cars money status significance you see people who come and they even use the banner of Jesus Christ but they don't know Jesus Christ. And what are we meant to do? Even though they're going to look at you different, even though there's criticism, even though they won't like you, and even though it gets hard and awkward and difficult, we tell them. We share. We boldly proclaim as the insecurity in us. We fight through by the power of God. Church, we suffer for this mission. We suffer for this message, and we suffer as messengers. This is going to hurt, but this is absolutely worth it. Let me pray that we, as leaders of God's people, we would do that. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would grow this in me. Grow a courageous faith. Make me more an evangelist. Make me one who when people come, they just know, no, John's going to share his faith. He's going to tell. Make that the reputation of the springs. Make that the reputation of your global church. You've told us amazing news. May we tell others. May we not think and expect it to just be easy. May we know that we'll suffer for it. You've promised of this. Let us not be surprised. Help us to not shrink back. I thank you for the folks who do this faithfully. God, I pray you give courage to the folks who want to do this more. They don't sit in guilt and shame at this message, but they feel empowered by the reality. God's gonna help them. May they know that we will help them. Lord, we need your help to do this. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Well, guys, as always, thank you so much for joining us, connecting with us online. I hope you're able to enjoy the time connect with God through his word. As Jonathan shared during the announcements, we are always looking to connect with people. So if you have questions about the sermon, questions about faith, questions about the springs, anything, his phone number is down here below. We would love to get in contact with you. We would love to follow up. But in the meantime, can't wait to see you guys again virtually next week. Y'all go, have a great week of worship. We'll see you soon.